0: this may seem to be a bit of an odd passage for a christmas sermon but really it is the whole purpose of christmas we read in second corinthians 5:21 for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of god in him let me start by saying something here I enjoy Christmas. Uh, I'm not one of these preachers that if you have a Christmas tree, you're going to die and go to hell. That's a bunch of garbage. Uh, if you want to wear funny socks and uh, all that kind of stuff, good night. Brother Brother Aaron couldn't decide which socks to wear, so he's got two different socks on. <laughs> Uh, he looks like Pippi Longstocking's on one side and the Grinch that stole Christmas on the other. But, uh, you know, I don't mind that kind of stuff. Now, I choose to celebrate some. I don't go as wild as others. You drive by Brother Harry and Kathy's house, and it looks like Christmas exploded on their yard. And I'm for that. I just don't want to do it. Amen. Uh, you say what? What do you provide? Shooting Rudolph, amen. amen. I enjoy shooting Rudolph, and then when the off season, we shoot the squirrels, amen. Uh, by the way, killed twenty one of them this week, uh, but uh, that didn't make Jackie very happy. But that's all right. Now uh, I enjoy the Christmas season when we focus on the coming of our Savior. Let me, I touched on, or well, I taught on this in Sunday school. Jesus did not come to earth to be man. He's always been the man part of God. He came to earth to put on a body that could die for us. And he came to live the righteousness that we could not live because we're sinners. That was the purpose of Christmas. Now, God is the creator, by the way. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth isn't millions and millions and billions of years old. We didn't evolve from a big bang. The only big bang was what happened that caused people to lose their stupid brains. Uh, God has always been. By the way, uh, they're discovering in quantum physics the very fact that what they said is not true. Randomness could not have brought the universe together. Go figure. God's been saying that for 7,000 years, dum-dum. Uh, God has always been, and he's always uh, been the same. That's why in John chapter 1, verse number 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And in verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Speaking of Jesus. In Genesis chapter 1, God said, let us make man in our image. And in the image of God created he him. So we were created in the likeness, in the image of God. Now, I'm about to go somewhere with this. I'm about to shout if I get it right. Amen. Now, uh, God wanted a creation that would love him back. Do you realize that God made us so that we would fellowship and love him back? Amen. Now, I know you all, we, we, you know, I've got a dog. It's with the neighbor right now across the street and say, What'd you do last night? I had a part. No. Uh, I got the dog for my wife and it's fine. But when the dog dies, dog dies. I'm, I, it ain't going to change my life at all. Now, I, I like my dog, I enjoy her most of the time. Uh she is a chick with an attitude. But uh may I say this? Uh we we sometimes use pets as companions and expressions and different things and that's fine, but God made man. And uh, I hate to tell you your doggy and your cat and your bird and your squirrel and your whatever aren't going to be in heaven when you get there. They have no spirit. They are a body and a soul, but they are no spirit. God made man to be a spiritual being. But when man sinned, his spirit died. And God was sad. Jesus said, I want God to have what God wants. God, the Father, listened to Jesus, and Jesus formulated a plan that he would come and live our righteousness for us, be born of a virgin... And he would pay our sin debt for us so that God and man could be restored. Amen. Yes, so that God could fellowship with man once again. That is the true Christmas story. Jesus came to earth to be flesh. And the word was made flesh. Not the word was made man. The word was made flesh. May I say this? I said it in Sunday school, but not all of you were there, and I'm uh, unashamedly going to say this. The miracle of the virgin birth is not the virgin. Amen. Every lady could be a virgin. Amen. The miracle of the virgin birth is the father. Amen. Uh, you have to understand something. Anybody could be virgin. There's only one that could impregnate a virgin. And it wasn't Mary who impregnated herself; it was God the Father. So the miracle is the Father, not the Virgin. Amen. Everybody doing okay? Hang on, the roof didn't fall in. It's okay. Uh, God's good with that statement. He, he's saying, "Amen." Now uh, you have to understand something. Jesus was the pattern that we were to live by. He was the image. And when man sinned, we broke the relationship we had with God. You see, God wanted this relationship with man, and Jesus wanted that relationship restored, and he said, Father, I've got a plan. And he said, Well, because it's you, I know you will do it. We'll put it at this point in time in history, and I'll, 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 I'll let you pay in advance, everybody looking ahead to it, And those after can receive the blessing as well. Here's the sermon. Do you realize Jesus had only seen sin personally one time? Lucifer, the devil, in heaven led a rebellion against God, Isaiah chapter 14. And God had to kick Satan and the angels that followed him out to a place called hell that he had made for the devil and his angels. The only time Jesus had been around sin. The second time was in the Garden of Eden. So twice in history. Until Bethlehem's manger. Jesus had been around sin thus in second corinthians chapter 5 for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of god in him Amen. Amen. think about what jesus did for us Brother James, Jesus, who knew no sin, came to be sin for you. He not only came to be sin, he had to live amongst sinners. He had never been around sin. Never been around sinners, but once or twice in eternity. And yet he loved God so much and he loved us so much that he was willing to leave heaven and come here and live our righteousness for us so that we could be restored with the Father. He who knew no sin. You see, he had never had to deal with the effects of sin. He didn't have to live with people lying about him. He didn't have to live with people cheating and stealing and Uh, Being Democrat, I mean Democrats, Uh, he didn't have to 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 deal with uh, all of the the murder and all of the backbiting and the fussing and the feuding. He was perfect. He was sinless, and yet he loved us so much. He said, "I'll leave it all so that you can have what you want." That fellowship restored. You see. At Bethlehem, Jesus came to live amongst sin. He came to live amongst sinners. And I'm not doing the scripture any wrong when I say this, I promise you. He came to live the life you and I were supposed to live. He put on the same flesh you and I have and he did it all without ever sinning right. in the face of every temptation you and I face. Right. But he did it to live our righteousness. Watch this so that we could go to heaven. Amen. Yes, sir. You have to understand something. Uh, how foreign was it to our savior to have to live amongst sinners? Can you imagine how out of place he felt? A little while I'll be at the airport. I'll be dressed in a suit. Most people don't anymore. I'll have my Bible with me. And when when I sit down on an airplane or waiting on an airplane, I have my Bible out and I'm working. It's a good way to get a seat, let me tell you. Because people... (laughs) (laughs) Trust me. Now, I say that to say this. I can sometimes feel out of place in a crowd, can't you? Can you imagine how Jesus felt out of place amongst everybody? He didn't understand being a sinner. He had never sinned. He had never had to live around sinners. How would you like to have been one of Jesus' brothers or sisters? Jesus did it! No, he didn't. He just thinks he's perfect. He was. Can you imagine having to be one of his brothers or sisters? That wouldn't have been a good thing for me, amen? You see, he had to live amongst a devil-influenced, sin-influenced world. And he had never known sin. And yet, Jesus not only volunteered, but he authored the plan. You may see a baby in a manger, but I see a savior who came to live amongst sinners. He had never known sin. It was foreign, but now he must live amongst sin and sinners and actually become our sin debt being paid. Because we were the sinners, not him. You know, it's one thing to get blamed for something you didn't do. And that's pretty hard for us proud, arrogant human beings to take every once in a while. But can you imagine having to take on the sin of every human being that's ever lived and it was never your fault? You see... He only knew righteousness. He only knew perfection. He only knew sinlessness. He only knew being God. And yet, Brother Harry, he came. Because you and I are dirty, rotten, filthy sinners. Amen. You more so than me. <laughs> he was the God-man. Living amongst sinful men Robed in flesh that could die. And yet, he lived what every man in history was supposed to live. When God made us, he had in mind the life that Jesus lived. He did. That's why at a time of death, and I've been beside the bedside of many of your loved ones and mine as well. And I've watched hundreds and hundreds of people take their last breath here on earth. That struggle at the end. You know what that is? God made your body to live forever. And that struggle is because God made you to live forever, but sin is taking its final payment. And it is the struggle of death that is the penalty of sin. For the wages of sin is death. Oh, it's not struggling to live, it's struggling to die. Because death is foreign to our flesh. God did not make this body to die. That's why uh, I've seen people go, way. The body can take a whole lot more than you can imagine. I've seen some pretty tough deaths. Brother Scott, where are you at? There you are. His mama died of some lung issues, and she had a pretty rough go those last 36 hours. I'll be honest with you. It was hard. It was hard. Uh, Brother Jimbo, dying of cancer. Now, Brother Jimbo, I mean this respectfully. Miss Loretta's here. She knows what I'm about to say. Uh, Brother Jimbo was a real redneck through and through and he didn't want any fuss day before he went to heaven I, i was with him and i said brother jimbo he said yeah preacher i said when you get to heaven would you give jesus a hug for me he said i'll do it preacher i said would you tell my mama i love her and give her a hug too yeah is it okay with your daddy I said, yes. (laughs) You know, Jimbo, (laughs) don't hug another man's wife, amen? He said, anything else, preacher? I said, yeah. I want you building my deer stand up there. Pick me a good spot. Oh, I'll do it, preacher. I'll do it. I said, Brother Jimbo, I got Miss Loretta here. He said, I know you do, preacher. Jimbo was moments from going to heaven we thought he took his last breath everybody began to weep a little bit about 30 seconds later he goes (gasps) and loretta says are you done yet (laughs) nope because a minute later he did it again and we're all laughing he went out his way amen by the time we thought he was gone he came back no that that struggle was death Oh, we've enjoyed a uh, certain thing. I remember three years ago, my mama went to heaven. I remember the last conversation I had with her. It was during COVID and we couldn't get to the hospital. Never got to see my mama from the time she left the house. 11 days she was in the hospital. I called the hospital the morning that she died, December 16th. Told them to take her off the, the ventilator. Remember the nurse, she called me at 925. I had a 10 o'clock appointment to plan a funeral for another family. I preached four funerals in five days and church in between. The nurse called, she said, pastor, your mama's in heaven. And I said, well, praise the Lord. She said, you took that better than I expected. I said, ma'am my mama's just starting to live now. She's passed from death to life. She didn't pass from life to death. I said, she's not hurting anymore. She doesn't have any pain. I said, my mama's doing okay. She said, Pastor. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I'm not a good singer. I said, well, join the crew. Neither am I. She said, and I knew your mama had a son that was a pastor. She said, I know some old hymns. She said, I started singing. I said, let me guess, my mama smiled. She said, how'd you know? I said, what song did you sing? She told me, I said, that was one of my mama's favorites. She said, I held her hand while she went. She said, but she was expressionless these last days. But when I began to sing and I held her hand, she began to smile at me. I said, "Oh, that's because she was crossing over to the other side, and she she was she was hearing things you couldn't hear and seeing things you and I can't see." She said, "It's one of the most sweetest passings I've ever seen." I said, "Yes, ma'am." I stood right here and preached my mama's funeral, honestly, and uh, I I, (laughs) I really didn't cry. I cried more for my dad that was hurting than, than anything, but I didn't cry for me because Mama was doing okay. Uh, do I wish I could have been with her? Yeah, I remember just about six days before she died, I got a phone call from her. And she was kind of delirious and out of her head, and I, I said, Mama, I'll, I'll call the nurse, and I'll talk to the nurse, okay? She said, all right. I said, Mom? She said, what? I said, I love you. She said, well, I love you too, son. The only thing she said coherently. And I hung the phone up. I looked at my wife. I said, I think I just heard my mama's last words. And they were. But I was glad that her last words were the same as mine. I love you. Our bodies struggle to live. Because sin causes death. God doesn't cause death. Sin does. Don't you get in your mind that God has our days numbered and he's choosing when we die. No, sin does that, not God. God made us to live forever and death is foreign to God. You see, that little baby in Bethlehem's manger looked sweet. But he was the only begotten son of God who knew no sin to come live amongst sin. me give you a few thoughts here number one i'm about to shout he who knew no sin became a friend of sinners matthew chapter 11 verse 19 they criticized jesus and said well he is the friend of sinners aren't you glad he became a friend of sinners bless the lord uh, and, and when Lazarus had gotten sick and they sent word for Jesus, Jesus was from here to about Ransom away from him, just a, a couple hour walk. And Jesus delayed by four days and Lazarus died. He brought his disciples at said, time to go visit Lazarus. He's sleeping. He said, well, if he's sleeping, why should we go wake him? He said, he's not sleeping that kind of sleep. He's sleeping the sleep of death. Oh. They got there and he'd already been buried for four days. And Mary said, Lord, if you'd have come, maybe you could have healed him and he wouldn't have died. You see, Mary was looking for a healing. Jesus was looking for a resurrection. He said, take me to the graveyard. Take me to his tomb. And the Bible says that he said, Lazarus, come forth, friend. Wow. Wow. Aren't you glad Jesus is a friend to sinners? That means we got a chance. You see, in John chapter 15, verses 13 through 15, Jesus is praying and he's talking to God the Father. And he said, God, uh, let, let let me read these words to you so that I don't misquote them to you. John chapter 15, verse number 13, the Bible says this, Greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends. If you do whatsoever, I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Aren't you glad Jesus wants to call you his friend? I've got many great friends. I've brought some of my friends here to preach to you. And uh, you've met some of my friends. And I've, uh, I've known many great people that I consider my friend. But... Jesus is my friend. You see, Matthew 26, verse number 50, Judas Iscariot, filled with the devil, betrayed Jesus. Sold him to the religious people who were going to kill him. Watch this. He placed a kiss of betrayal on Jesus' cheek. And Jesus looks at him and says, friend, why do you do this? Friend, why do you do this? Can you imagine how Judas felt? Matter of fact, I can tell you how bad he felt. He went out and killed himself. Right. Died and went to hell. By the way, Judas wasn't even saved. And Jesus called him friend. Did you realize you can be friendly to everybody? Amen. Thank God, Jesus, who knew no sin, was willing and wants to be our friend. Amen. Proverbs eighteen twenty four is one of the sweetest verses in all of the Bible to me. The Bible says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Yes, Can I tell you who that friend that sticks closer than a brother is? It's a man named Jesus, a friend of sinners. Brother Cross, you got your brother here, and it's good having a brother, amen? Especially if he's younger. It's good having an older brother so you can blame him. I have an older brother, trust me. Uh, But you and I are alike. we got the looks and the brains, amen? (laughs) Now, hang on for a minute. It's good to have a brother. But when there's one that sticks closer than a brother. Oh, that one's Jesus. I love my brother. Taking care of my daddy right now down in Florida for the winter because my dad's a, a a Florida or a winter buzzard. I mean, winter bird, uh, snowbird, whatever you call him. I call him a snow buzzard. But can I tell you something? I love my brother, but I get to be closer to Jesus than my own brother. My brother's a good man, but he didn't do what Jesus did. Uh, I respect my brother, he's an honest businessman, but he hasn't done what Jesus has done. There's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Some of you are glad that he sticks closer than your brother. By the way, in James chapter 2, verse 23, the Bible says that Abraham was called the friend of God. Abraham was a sinner. Abraham died. And yet, God chose to call Abraham the friend of God. I don't know about you. Brother Kevin, I hope someday when I get to heaven, Jesus will stick out his hand and say, Hey friend, how you doing? I don't know that I could ask for a greater honor than that I've got a friend in a distant state I've known him for decades he's going through a tough time having a real tough time I texted him this week and I I didn't know I said doc I just want you to know I love you haven't heard from you in a long time I hope everything's okay He said, can I call you? I said, of course you can. He called, I picked up the phone, and he was weeping. He said, Brother Bush, my life's a mess. I said, well, how can I help? He said, how did I know you'd say that? He said, all these years I've known you, he said, he said, you've been a far better friend to me than I've ever been to you. I said, "I don't care what you've been to me. I just want to be your friend." And I'm trying to help him. It's not what I get out, it's what I get to be. Did you know I can be your friend, and you can hate my guts na, 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 na. <laughs> Oh, by the way, I have a man for about 10 years, about eight years. He literally was probably the biggest enemy I had. I won't go into it, but a few years ago, a couple few years ago, he got sick. I got a text one Saturday morning. It was the first Saturday of May, a couple of few years ago. And he said, would you pray for me? I've got cancer. I said, I'd be glad to. Who is this? And he gave me the name and about fell over with a heart attack in the church office. Really? I said, I'd be honored to. By the way, a man that hated me, hated, tried to destroy me in many different ways. For the last couple few years, I've prayed for that man every day by name. I've texted him every day by name. <laughs> Five o'clock this morning, he texted me. He said, I just want you to know I love you, brother. <laughs> He's been saying that for about two years now. Can I tell you the joy of somebody that used to be your enemy now being your friend again? (sighs) What a joy that is. Can you imagine what Jesus feels like when we get saved and we get restored in fellowship with him? We used to be his enemy and now we're his friend. Wow. Not only did Jesus become the friend of sinners, I'm about to shout. Jesus became sin for us. Amen. The Bible says in Second Corinthians 5.21 that he made him to be sin for us. Say, Jesus never sinned, but he had to take his, our sin upon him. Jesus suffered our hell for us. I'm not going to read these passages, but Matthew 27, 45, and 46, Mark 15, 32 through 34, and Luke 23, 39 through 46. Jesus is hanging on the cross. And for three hours, the Bible says that the sun went dark. It was total blackness. And it was so dark that man could not see his hand in front of his face. And Jesus, after three hours, by the way hell is dark there is no light at all the worst part of hell is not the fire the worst part of hell is the absence of the presence of God and Jesus while he was on the cross in those three passages the Bible records it he he spoke with a loud voice after three hours Eloi Eloi lama sabachthani which being interpreted is my God my God why hast thou forsaken me for three hours by the way why did he say my God my God because God the Father and God the Holy Spirit had turned their backs to Jesus Christ and he suffered for three hours without the comfort or the presence of God in his life so that he could become our sin. And he took upon him all of humanity's sin and suffered three hours without the presence of God and he could not take it any longer and he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me and became our sin dead? He never sinned. He was never around sinners till he came here, and yet he had to become our sin. He came to Bethlehem's manger to put on a body that could die so that he could be our Lamb of God. Amen. By the way, <laughs> oh, I'm about to, about to have a spell. He came to earth the first time to be our Lamb. They killed that lamb and sacrificed that lamb. He became our sacrifice. Romans 12.1 says that we are uh, we're to be a living sacrifice. wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Do you know what the only living sacrifice was? Come on up here. In the Old Testament, there was something called the scapegoat. They would take two goats... One old goat and one young goat. <laughs> they, would take, they would kill one and take the blood of the one that was killed and place it on the other. This one would be placed outside the camp to go free. And nobody was to touch that or leave it. just leave it alone. You couldn't kill it or take it as your own. Because the blood on it was the pit symbol of it taking the punishment from this one. Now watch this. You can have a seat. We are the living sacrifice. And when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, His blood is put on our account. Amen. And we are set free. That's right. He took our sin for us, He paid our sin debt for yes. us. And there's nothing that we can do in our own righteousness because our righteousness is as filthy rags. Amen. Salvation is not by our works. Well, I've joined a church. I'm glad you did. Well, I've been baptized. I'm glad you've been baptized. But those are the things you've done. Those don't get you to heaven. That's right. If you were born in a garage, it doesn't make you a car. Being born in a hospital doesn't make you a doctor. I don't care where you've been born. don't care where you go, what building you go into, or what you do. The lack of righteousness is what takes you to hell. Even if you could live this life without sinning, you would die and go to hell. Because you can't get to heaven by the absence of sin only. There has to be a presence of righteousness. That's why in Romans chapter 10 it says they going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. And who is the righteousness of God? Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 says that he became sin who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We don't get to heaven by our goodness. We get to heaven by his goodness. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. That faith is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Galatians 3.11, Galatians 3.17, uh, Galatians 2.16 says that we are not saved by our righteousness, but by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's exactly what it is. You can get baptized in every baptistry, every pool, every river, every creek, every pond, till you know every tadpole by name and die and go to hell. Baptism doesn't do anything. It's just like my wedding ring. If I take my wedding ring off, I'm still married. But that is a picture that one day, 34 and a half years ago, standing in Michigan, that my wife and I stood in an altar, took a vow, and we became husband and wife. That lets everybody else know I'm taken. The moment you get baptized, you're publicly letting everybody else know what you did by getting saved. Yes. That's, right. That's all that it is. Yes. It doesn't get anybody to heaven. You see, he came to Bethlehem's manger to put on a body that could die. That means he was our lamb. He became our sin payment. But number three, and I've got to finish quickly, and I'm about to come unscrewed. Jesus, who knew no sin, now sits in heaven interceding for sinners. Amen. Not only did he become a friend of sinners, not only did he become sin, but now he's seated in heaven at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. Jesus died as our lamb, but he resurrected as our high priest. He died with the sacrifice and the blood sacrifice, but he resurrected to put his own blood on the mercy seat in heaven. And now, when the old accuser comes to him and accuses him uh, of our sin, he says, Father, I paid for it. It's under the blood. (laughs) And God the Father looks at old smutty face and says, What sin are you talking about? It's paid for. I don't see it. Jesus said it's paid for. It's paid for. But God, you can butt God all you want, but it ain't going anywhere. It's still there. Turn to Hebrews chapter 7 very quickly. If you don't get there, just look at any page and look intelligent. Amen? (laughs) Bob, you don't have a chance either way. Uh, (laughs) Hebrews chapter 7, look at verse number 11. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek, and not be called to the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, there there is made of a necessity a change also of the law. For he whom uh, these things were uh, are spoken pertaineth to another tribe, which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning the priesthood. Wow. By the way, the Levitical priesthood was not supposed to be worshipped, still not supposed to be worshipped. That's why I ain't wearing no robe. It would be indecent exposure for most of the time. But uh, may I say something? Jesus came, and uh, the Old Testament priest, by the way, that was the government. It wasn't religion, just so you know. But the Old Testament priesthood was to be done away with because Jesus fulfilled it. And he came from the tribe of Judah, which was not the Levites, because he said, I don't want people worshiping the priesthood. I'll be the Lion of Judah, but I'll also be the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now watch this, look at verse 21. For those priests made without an oath, but this with an oath by him, said unto him, the Lord swear and will not repent, thou art a priest ever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests, because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth for ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Amen. See, Jesus' priesthood hasn't changed. He's not blessing the sodomite marriages. Amen. Oh, oh, oh. He doesn't have to make proclamations of the change of church doctrines and church preferences. He says, lo, I come in the volume of a book. Everybody doing okay? The word of God doesn't change. Why should we change it? You see, I don't have time to read Hebrews chapter 8 verses 1 through 6, Hebrews chapter 9 verses 11 through 14. But this is why when Jesus died, the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom. The temple? Yeah, between the holy place and the holy of holies. Because Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law, and it's been ripped in two. Now you have direct access. You don't need to go through a pastor. You don't need to go through a priest. You don't need to go through a pope. You don't need to go through anybody. Just go directly to God. Amen. Yes, sir. <laughs> First Timothy 2, five says there's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Amen. See, we don't need Mary. You don't pray to Mary to get closer to Jesus. She's not the mother of God. Hello. Blessed art thou among women. It said of Deborah in the Old Testament, in the book of Judges, that she was blessed above women. Does that mean that Deborah was more important than Mary? Everybody doing okay? Uh, You can't uh, go to heaven because your mama or daddy or grandma or grandpa were spiritual. It is a one-on-one personal relationship with God himself. By the way, Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 22, the Bible says this, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in Uh, The heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Jesus, when he resurrected. Do you remember when he saw Mary on the cemetery road? And she didn't recognize him? And he said, Mary, and she said, Rabboni and she went to hug him and he said don't touch me for i've not yet ascended to the father go tell my brother and i'll meet him in the upper room in just a little while why did she why did he tell her don't touch me because from the time that the high priest washed at the laver made the sacrifice went through the holy place went into the holy of holies put the blood with the hyssop weed on the mercy seat until the time he did that if he were touched by a sinful human on the way and made the sacrifice he was killed and the sacrifice had to be started all over again and he said mary don't touch me i've already become the sacrifice but I have to get to the true tabernacle in heaven and I have to take my hands on my side and put the blood on the mercy seat for every human being's salvation. Yes. Once I do that, then you can touch me. But wait. He died as our lamb. He resurrected as our high priest. Amen. Now, I have to crash land the plane. Today, you have a choice. Man's way or God's way. Remember, he who knew no sin came to be your friend. He who knew no sin came to pay your sin debt. And he who knew no sin came to intercede before you after you accept his gift of eternal life. You want to trust your way or his way? Do you want to trust man's religion or the word of God? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Please, just for a moment. Be honest with yourself. Don't worry about anybody sitting behind you, beside you, around you. You and God. You'd say, Preacher, if I die today, i know no 100% sure I've trusted Jesus as my Savior. And that alone, would you raise your hand? God bless you. You can put your hands down. Thank you. I would not embarrass you, not call your name. I won't come to you, I promise you. I'd never embarrass you. But are there, there are those that would say, Preacher, if I did, died today, I don't know for sure I'd go to heaven, but I'd like to know that. I'm not talking about joining a church or going through some kind of class. I'm not talking about some kind of process. It's simply trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. In a matter of two or three minutes, you could know for sure. He so, said, Preacher, I don't know that, but I'd like to know it someday. Would you raise your hand? All right. Someone else? All right. He'd say, Preacher, somewhere in that sermon something I needed today. Do you raise your hand? Oh my soul, scores and scores and scores of hands. You may put them down. Thank you. In a moment, we'll stand to our feet. When we stand to our feet, if you raised your hand and say, "I don't know for sure," if you're a lady, I'll have a lady take the Bible and show you. I can know for sure. If you're a man, I'll have a man take the Bible and show you. You come.